This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you the tools the information you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Good morning and top of the morning to you. Oh, today's the big day. Oh, the big day. When everyone heads to Vegas. Ah, oh, geez. You know, for some reason, this debate doesn't seem to be as interesting to me. I don't know why. Kathy, you've got your VCR ready, your... Oh, I've got my popcorn, you bet. I'm ready to go. Well, I guess when there's only five people, you know, sparring instead of, you know, 29. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, they're a little, it's just a little calmer group. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling Martin O'Malley's going to go off. Yeah, he has nothing to lose. I think you're right. I think he'll go after Hillary and, you know, what does he have to lose? And he's, he's, he's on a little tour of Vegas right now. They, Mm -hmm. they had some, uh. That, well, let's just play it. Okay, this is how I think we're going to make tonight more interesting. Okay. And it all starts with Martin O'Malley. Um, play clip 12. This is how we're going to make it exciting. So sing. Sing at the top of your voice. That's Martin O'Malley. Love without fear in your heart. And feel, feel like you still have a choice. You go, Martin. Bring it home. If we all light up, we can scare away the dark. That's sort of scare away the dark? Who's the dark? The, the dark force. Is that Hillary? I think that was Hillary. <laughs> He's, he plays some seriously awesome guitar. He's got yeah. a great voice. So we're going to sing our way into a better night. There so you go. That's Martin O'Malley's version. Now let's have him go head-to-head now in a sing-off with Hillary Clinton. Hi, Nancy. And Rosie O'Donnell. What's the story? Morning glory. What's a tale? Nightingale. Tell me quick about Hugo and Kim. Hi, Margie. Hi, Alice. What's a story? Morning glory. What's the word? Hummingbird. Have you heard about Hugo and Kim? Did they really get pinned? Oh, yeah. Did she Little kiss bye him bye and cry? Uh-huh. Hillary and Rosie. Oh, oh, my. Apparently, Hillary's daughter, uh, when, when she would rock her or rock her to sleep at about 18 months, whatever, and she'd start singing to her daughter. Chelsea? Chelsea would uh-huh. just put her hand up and cover Hillary's mouth. <laughs> That's True enough, story. Mom. So so Hillary supposedly can't sing. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you saw a little bit of it right there. You heard a little bit of it. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the the third member that we really want to hear, I mean, there's other people in the debate. We don't have time to track down all of their audio. So we're just going to take the top three. Uh, we've heard Martin. We just heard Hillary do a little bye-bye birdie. And again, we're going to just wrap it up with a little Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. As I went walking oh my. that rivet of highway, <laughs> I saw it above singing? me Isn't he good? that endless skyway. It's talk I rapping. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for, for you, you and me. And me. Mm. You and me. Isn't that good? Yeah. So don't you think that adds a lot? Mm-hmm. So tonight, if it gets a little slow, yeah. 
One of them could just break into song. <laughs> they are in Vegas, after all. I, I, I don't know what it is. And again, I'm not a socialist. Mm-hmm. But Bernie, every time he sings that song, I just feel so patriotic. Are you with me? Oh, wow. I don't know that Hillary could pull off Bye Bye Birdie without Rosie. No, Rosie O'Donnell's good at that She kind of carried yep. that load. Yeah, she did. But then again, Martin O'Malley, I think, is the only really musically talented one. Uh-huh. But I have a feeling he's not going to get very far tonight. No. Tonight, well, like you say, that's why he's probably going to go after. He's got to do something, right? Yeah. He's got to get his name out but there. But to- I don't think they will because tonight's a love fest. Tonight you watch. You they'll go. I think they'll go against the, the entire – they don't want to make anyone mad because they need uh, – Hillary needs Bernie's people. Right. That's very so, true. She doesn't want to tick off Bernie's people, and Martin needs everything. Right. But I think what you'll see is they'll take on the, the Republicans a lot more. Mm-hmm. They'll just go after Trump all night, probably. Yeah. yeah. Hillary already did. Did you see that? I just did. outside of one of his hotels. They're everywhere, yeah. you know. <laughs> I know. She just went and stopped, oh, and, you know. This is like the never ending go political for, nightmare. I know. It's going to go on forever. And yeah. you know what? I just found out some new news, which is so weird. Apparently, Hillary doesn't sweat. Really? Yeah. Which is, what a great thing. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, man. I sweat like a dog. <laughs> do dogs sweat, Ben? Yes, they do. Do they? No. Kathy enough. Oh, yes, they do. Uh, dogs pant. Dogs don't sweat? This just they, in. They pant, and that's their sweating. I've, I've, I've uh, petted many a dog in the heat, and they're wet. That's, so I'm guessing that's sweat. That's not sweat. <laughs> that's saliva. But you know what? No. This It's interesting. Apparently, according to BuzzFeed, uh, it's a well-documented fact that she does not sweat she just is sweatless yeah but this is why okay in preparation for this interview i watched a lot of your interviews this this reporter said from buzzfeed to the presidential candidate clinton uh if you're interviewed and i noticed you never sweat like physically i've done a little bit of press and i i get so hot under tv and stage lights what's your secret she says and then she waited Her, what a strange question yeah. But this is what she said. You guys are the first to realize that I'm not even a human being. Mm. Oh. I was constructed in a garage in Palo Alto a very long time ago. People think that, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they created it. Oh, no. I mean a man whose name shall remain nameless created me in his garage. Mm. She's a robot. She's a robot. (laughs) This This is really her answer. Oh, wow. I thought he threw away the plans at least. That's what he told me when he programmed me. There would be no more. I've seen more people that kind of don't sweat and other things that make me think maybe that they are part of a new race that he created, the robot race. Okay. That was really an answer. There we go. Now we know. She is a robot. <laughs> She's a robot. And if you've seen her on Saturday Night Live, uh, you know that it. Was, she was good on that, I have to say. She totally lit it up. Yeah. So again, I don't know if it's fair. Hillary's a robot, doesn't sweat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet Martin O'Malley will be sweating. Bernie Sanders. He'll be sweating. And if things go bad, they just sing. I mean, I can't make it easier for him. I'm doing what I can. Just so we have good material tomorrow morning, right? That's exactly right. Tomorrow, I have a feeling there might be some good material. Kathy, take us to the headlines. Anything going on around the country? Good morning, everyone. As we've been talking about, tonight is a Democrat's turn to debate, the first of six on the schedule. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are the two leading candidates. And according to a new CNN poll, Clinton has 50 percent of support from likely voters, Sanders with 34 percent. Sanders says tonight he's hoping for a civilized debate. Let's treat each other civilly. Let's treat each other respectfully, and let's not try to demonize people. 
However, GOP frontrunner Donald Trump is not expecting a good outcome. I don't think they'll do great. I mean, you know, I think people are going to turn it on for a couple of minutes and then fall asleep. I don't want to say this in a braggadocious way, but a person at CNN and a couple of other people said, we have to put Donald Trump in this debate. We're going to die with it. I don't think they'll do badly because there is a curiosity factor. I don't think they're going to do great. The other three on tonight's podium in Las Vegas are former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley, former Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee, and former Senator Jim Webb of Virginia. And CNN is keeping one slot open for Vice President Joe Biden just in case he jumps into the race before the debate. One high-ranking Democrat who may not be in attendance is DNC Vice Chairwoman Tulsi Gabbard, a representative of Hawaii. Gabbard was reportedly disinvited by the DNC's Chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz due to Gabbard's recent comment saying the Dems should have more debates. That's something Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders have called for. The DNC disputes the claim, saying Gabbard should just stay home tonight so she can, so everyone can focus on the candidates. Two Kansas City firefighters died last night when a building engulfed in flames collapsed. The firefighters saved two civilians before it collapsed. Two other firefighters were hospitalized and are in stable condition. The American dentist who killed the prized lion in Zimbabwe will not be charged. An official from the country said Walter Palmer obtained the legal authority to kill Cecil the lion. The report says Palmer is free to visit Zimbabwe as a tourist but will no longer be issued permits to hunt. Meanwhile, two men who allegedly helped Palmer on the hunt still face charges. South Carolina football coach Steve Spurrier announced his retirement last night, effective immediately. The 70-year-old Spurrier won the Heisman Trophy in 1976 with Florida and was the third overall pick by the 49ers in the NFL draft one year later. Spurrier coached in the NFL as well as college, leading Florida to the national championship in 1996, but this year the Gamecocks are off to just a 2-4 and four start. His replacement is expected to be announced this morning. USC football coach Steve Sarkeesian was fired yesterday, just one one day after he was put on indefinite leave. Athletic director Pat Hayden made the move after he determined Sarkeesian was in no condition to lead practice. In August, Sarkeesian appeared to be intoxicated at a pep rally. This is USC's fourth coaching change in just over two years. In Monday, Monday Night Football, last night, Pittsburgh beat San Diego with a touchdown as time expired, beating the Chargers 24-20. And in Major League Baseball last night, Matt, the Mets crushed the Dodgers 13-7. Oh. My husband was in a terrible mood. <laughs> Toronto beat Texas 8-4 to with the Cubs over the Cardinals 8-6 in a crazy game in Houston. Kansas City rallied down 6-2 to to beat the Astros 9-6. to And I don't know, did you see that Texas Governor Greg Abbott tweeted congratulations to the Astros six outs too early? Oh, no. Yeah, the Royals fans, you know, they kind of pounced on the tweet while Houston fans are blaming him for jinxing their team. You don't do that. <laughs> oh. You know, you got to wait till it's over. He wanted to go to bed or something. Yeah, maybe. He's like, I got to get out yeah, of here. He was I hoping so for an all-Texas. This uh, series, but oh. yeah, no. You know the Mets came back though. You break yeah, our, you Mets. break one of our guy's legs, we yeah, break your you, neck. We'll break you. So the Mets and the Cubs, they can clinch their series if, with Holy wins tonight. Cow. Yeah, so fun. This is I love this oh, time of year for baseball. Yeah. It's sad that I go to bed at eight thirty. I know. Then I, you just have to wait till I report it. Yeah, for you. which is so much better. Yeah, I mean, but a t- lot of people the, think the so game you missed is fun. The, the ending of the Monday night football game. Oh yeah. Oh, that was great. I was so surprised they ran the ball because if they didn't make it. They had a timeout, but it would right. have been too late. So, yeah, gutsy See, call. Oh, man. I'm missing so much. I know. And you can't just cover it all. No, I can't. I mean, you try. Yeah. But, oh, now I'm going to have to go watch that. I know. You're going to have to go watch I won't the, be able to take my play. midday nap. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, it'll only take you a few seconds, so you can still do the nap. Well, tonight, are, you, is there, are there any games on tonight? Yeah, the Cubs and the Mets. So you're going to yeah, watch can... that, or are you oh, going absolutely. to watch... 
The debate. The debate. <sighs> you know, I think I'm going to watch baseball because you can always just get the little snippets from the debate. Yeah. yeah. They kind of bore me. So. And I have a feeling you're not going to miss a whole lot. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because they, they, we all kind of know their positions. Yeah, but I think someone's got to, like you say, they've got to separate themselves. I think you would think that they would do that. Yeah, especially when they only have six O'Malley, debates. Well, some of them. I mean, yeah, there's there's the other three on the Chafee, right. O'Malley, and Webb. Webb. You know, they might do something. Yeah. They've got to separate themselves somehow. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I don't know. It seems like the Republicans beat themselves up more than the Dems for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I think the the Republicans are more used to the blood sport of politics. There you go. That could be it. They just like <laughs> they like duking it out the of whole, it. The whole sport is a blood sport. <laughs> it's a total Ugh, blood whoever sport. Whoever invented politics. Ugh, who did? Yeah. Well, good job. Well, interesting stuff. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, continue the love fest, folks. We are going to be talking about a bunch of different subjects, one of them including um, campus shootings and school shootings. They're on the rise. Did you know? happen to know that 52 shootings last year, or actually this year, in 2015, 52 school shootings, crazy. We'll get to the numbers, walk you through uh, how many colleges, how many universities, how many middle schools, how many elementaries have had shootings. Crazy numbers. Stick with us, folks. Uh, This is the Matt Townsend Show, doing what we can to help you get the information you need to live the life you want to live. Stick with us. This is the show. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, the big day, the big dance is in Las Vegas. The Democratic, the first Democratic debate will be up. And uh, again, we don't want to say it's going to be a sleeper. But is anyone really going to take on Hillary? I think there's a few. Martin O'Malley's got to do something, doesn't he? He's got to be recognized. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of power when it comes to a debate when you think about it. I mean, Carly Fiorina, remember? Nobody knew about Carly until she had her first debate appearance. Remember, she was supposedly, uh, you know, one of the sleepers at the kid table. Bada boom, bada bing, had a great debate, moved up to the big table, do you remember? And then had another great debate. So... Who's going to step up? Who's going to start making some noise? Uh, Interesting, some other noise has been coming out of uh, Las Vegas as well. You ever heard of Sheldon Adelson? He's one of the Republican Party's most sought-after mega-donors. He's he's worth about $25.7 billion, according to Forbes. And he's the one that uh, every year that they're running for president, they go try to talk to Adelson, they need his money. And Sheldon Adelson, it looks like, is starting to throw a lot of support toward Marco Rubio, which was interesting because remember Rubio's numbers were down. He didn't seem to have a great uh, a great round of uh, fundraising in this last quarter. And Ted Cruz was all the talk because Ted Cruz was getting all of the money. So everyone was thinking, yeah, Ted's in. Ted's Ted's the next – Ted's the next one, kind of the next outsider, even though he's an insider. (laughs) Anyway, Marco Rubio now 
backed by Sheldon Adelson. Well, apparently, which is a big, big deal. He's got you know tens of millions of dollars to spend and can send it all towards little Marco Rubio, which is interesting because Marco apparently grew up in Vegas as well. So the politics, it's getting crazy, don't you think? It's starting to take off. And, um, you know, Trump's got to make all of his comments about this is going to be a really boring debate. It's going to have no ratings. So I'm going to bet when it comes down to it, they're going to have to talk a lot about Trump. They're going to throw Trump around. They're going to have to, it seems like, because how else are they going to get the ratings up unless they throw a beat down on Donald Trump? Also, he's such an easy target. And he's somebody that the Democrats all enjoy making fun of or beating up on. So anyway, that should be interesting. By the way, today is October 13th, Face Your Fears Day. Today's the day to take a moment to consider what your life might be like if you conquered some of your greatest fears. What would you do differently? Face Your Fear Days gives you the chance to stand up to your fears, overcome them, and seize the day. It's also the Navy birthday. Happy birthday to the Navy. Uh, The Navy, by the way, the most powerful uh, Navy in the world. Ten, currently, ten uh, aircraft carriers in service. Four in the reserve fleet and three new class carriers are under construction. The service has over 300,000 personnel on active duty and more than 100,000 in the Navy Reserve. It has... It has 272 deployable combat ships and more than 3,700 aircraft in active service as of 2015. So happy birthday to the Navy. And heaven knows we need that. Hey, one of the, uh, one of the things that we're going to be getting to in just a few minutes are, is, are these campus shootings. Remember the, the recent shooting at the Umpqua Community College up in uh, Oregon? is just one, apparently, of about, in 2015, of 52 campus shootings. 30 people have been killed in those shootings, and 53 others have been injured. The totals include suicides and incidents in which no one was hit, and one attack was actually on a school bus. Of the 52 shootings, 21 have been at colleges and universities, 15 at high schools, 3 at middle schools, 10 at elementaries, and two at preschools. One was on a school bus. Suicides account for six of the incidents, while no one was struck by bullets in the in 13 of the shootings. Yeah, and on campus, as uh, 14 students, three professors, and university staff member have all died at the hands of a gunman. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have Lieutenant Arnold Lemon from BYU Police Department here in studio with us. He's going to be talking about the, the information that they use as a police force to, to make a plan to keep the – in this case, BYU campus safe. But we're going to be talking about how uh, the students can be safe and protected. What are the best things that students need to know in order to make sure that they don't uh, – you know, that they can increase the likelihood of, of uh, being healthy and safe when going to school. We're just going to pick his brain, find out what the police think about – preparation and uh, prevention of such shootings on campuses. Stick with us, folks, giving you the tools you need to have a healthier, happier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, today uh, we have on the phone with us Lieutenant Arnold Lemon, who is the public information officer for BYU Police Department. And we are talking, uh, we, we've asked him to be on the show to just talk to us a little bit about these uh, these school shootings. And there's so many of the mass shootings going on around the country, and, and the targets are... They tend to be schools, right? And so we wanted to pick the brain of our uh, our own campus police and find out what we could be doing, what we need to watch out for, what uh, what the universities are doing in an effort to uh, to make school safer for our kids. So, Lieutenant Arnold Lemon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Thank we you for having me. You bet. We appreciate having you on the show. I mean, and we know it's every university is probably different in how they go around preparing and planning for, uh, you know, an incident on on their school campus. But uh, talk to us a little bit about what goes through the mind of the police department uh, at a university when you hear about the shootings up at the Umqua Community College in Oregon. Are we prepared? That's what I keep asking myself. Yeah, have you got it together? Is there a way to know, uh, Lieutenant Lemon, is there a way to, to actually feel ready enough? Well, I don't think as a police officer you're, you would feel totally ready. However, uh, our officers are highly trained. Uh, we have world-class uh, training in this area, and uh, and the challenge is is to keep our public informed. Is that is that the biggest? Uh, it's the biggest challenge. It's, it seems like a great um, tool when there comes to having a shooting on campus, because if everyone could be informed and know what to do, where to go, because they all have the technology, it seems like. So is that one of your great weapons you're going to use? Yes. Uh, About seven years ago, we partnered with a company. Uh, They were cutting edge. uh, And they're the ones that came out with a video that we have online called Shots Fired. And uh, they customized that whole uh, project for college campuses. And, uh, and, and so we, we've been on the cutting edge, we believe, uh, for many years. And so how do you go about preparing, um, Lieutenant Lemon? Do you, do, you, do you have drills? Do you practice with your officers? What is it that you do to, to prepare for such an event? We... Uh, there is there is a standard uh, throughout the country now with uh, police officers who are trained in active shooting. Uh, so we have the training side, uh, which includes the tactics, uh, and and then it's with that training, it's tra- it's getting us to train the public. Uh, that's the heart of it. And and how how do you on a university campus? How have you been training? I guess you have that video you're talking about online, and then I guess we it's do. just communicating. Yeah, it's it's just communicating, uh, getting students and faculty and staff to register with uh, our Y Alert system, which uh, in a matter of seconds we can push out warnings for something that is serious and imminent. And that could that's I've actually I'm I'm on that and it's so nice to get a 
you know, a test once in a while where you realize that, okay, so if they had to close down the campus for anything, they could, you know, whether it's a shooting, an active shooter, or whether it's, you know, just a snow, too much snow on campus, um, it's an easy way to, t- to communicate with everybody. How, what kind of feedback do you get on that system? We are, we are a little uh, in front of the national average on registered uh, students. In other words, you have to go in into uh, your web, your what we call Route Y, and register to get those messages. We are running around 30% of our students are registered. Now, we'd rather have 100%. Wow, yeah. But uh, we still lead the, the nation in, in that particular area. Well, that, those, and those numbers are so low. So I guess anybody out there listening nationwide, they ought to make sure if you're, if you're sending your child to a campus um, or a, a, if you're sending your adult child to a campus, they should be making sure they're signed up on the communication tools at the campus for Absolutely. alerts and emergencies. Yes. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, huh? But I guess you're also dealing with college students. Well, and it runs in trends. We've had a couple of shootings on other campuses recently, and so that makes people more aware, and so they start asking questions, and then that registration uh, will will move up a little bit. Do you do you go to trainings around the country? You talked about there being a national standard. When do you go to meetings with other national leaders that that talk about what the standards are and what the best practices are? We work closely with uh, federal law enforcement. We work closely with local law enforcement. Uh, we train with uh, local and federal law enforcement. Uh, we do our own in-house training. And, uh, and so with all of that, and, and again, it's a constant process, uh, we want to be and we are prepared. One of the things we keep hearing about over and over with a lot of these um, shooters is, is the very simple fact that a lot of them have mental illness. Um, a lot of these shootings are suicides um, and or, you know, murder-suicide type of events. What, uh, what are you doing and what do you see other university um, police, uh, policing entities doing to, ma- to, to work on the mental health side of this? We also, and by the same company, we also have a video called Enlightening Strikes. Uh, and in fact, we have two or three, but that one tries to, uh, we're trying to educate the public of, uh, well, the national uh, homeland security phrase of see something, say something. Mm. Uh, we need the public's input. Yeah, you can't police something you don't know about. And no. and one thing I know just from years ago working as an EMT is it's it's okay. You can call the police department to do a health check, right? I mean, if if somebody's showing weird signs of mental health issues, you could you could involve the police to come and do a health check to to check in on them and see how they're doing. Yes, and and BYU uh great about that. Not only the police, we work hand-in-glove with our counseling center, uh, and then we have another layer, ecclesiastical leaders. And so our uh, our young people 
have, uh, have, have some tremendous resources, and we train with our health center, or oh, our counseling center. Yeah, you train with them to, and they coach you on how to handle mental health issues. Yes, that's feel that's great. I mean that. Seems like the partnership, the kind of partnership you need, especially when so many of these are based in mental health. What do you sense, uh, Lieutenant Lemon, when you – because it's, it's kind of a weird convergence, it seems like, on a campus or a university because you have young minds, um, you know, anxious, excited, lots of opportunity, lots of rejection going on. You mix that on some campuses um, with alcohol and other, you know, drugs. Um, you you combine that with the potential that some campuses are open, have open carrying laws where they can bring guns onto campus. Um, what I mean, it seems like in a way. Why do you think the the, the universities end up having such a high number of shootings instead of other places? We don't. Uh, it's again. It's it, it's so new compared to let's say ten years ago, and it's the challenge is is in today's world is trying or being able to identify that one person uh, who who has decided that they're going to go out and make a name for themselves by killing others. Uh, and research is still out. There, there is no pattern. Uh, it's yeah, it's random, isn't it? Yes. But it's it does seem like someone close to to the shooter many times knows something else is wrong, but which is why going back to the motto of "see something, say something" could be so important. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's extremely important. I think a good example of that. Is the uh, two police officers in Las Vegas that were ambushed and killed last year, mm. and now coming to come come to find out is there were people who had been told by those two shooters that they were going to kill cops, and uh, uh, but they didn't tell anybody. Mm. That's the information we need. How does that change your? Your mindset as a police officer to know, you know, that that you might now be a target more than ever before. We it it, it hasn't changed much in mindset uh, in law enforcement. You you are prepared, uh, and uh, there are always those times what what we call high risk, low frequency events. Uh, in other words, it may happen once in your career, and uh, and you have to have the mindset, skill set, and be prepared. Hmm. Are there um, are, is there legislation that you see out there? Are there concerns that you see that maybe legislators are making decisions when it comes to gun laws? When it comes to you know gun laws on campuses, do do you worry about the legislative side of this? Or do you just put your head down and deal with whatever comes? I don't worry about it because uh, it's the will of the people. That's what law enforcement is all about. We enforce uh, the laws that uh, the legislature gives us, and uh, so we respect that. Do you is there is there any type of legislation that you would like to see 
created that would maybe make your job a little easier? When it, I guess, especially when it comes to guns and campuses. I think it goes back to what I said, is, is it's, it's the will of the people, and we have good representation at the legislative level uh, through law enforcement organizations, and our legislature is, is great because they work with chiefs uh, and sheriffs throughout the state. They, they do listen, and, uh, and so we, my opinion is we, we have tremendous amount of input. That's great. So you feel supported. And um, do you what, – what advice – so let's say, Lieutenant Lemon, that you had a child coming to campus or to any campus around country or around the country or a grandchild coming to the campus. What advice would you sit down and teach your children that would make them safer on the campus? I would first – I would tell them you watch those videos and and watch them. Uh, just take a look at them at least once a month, uh, so that you can learn the five outs, as we call them. I would teach them just basic street safety. Uh, you know, it, it gets down to be aware of your environment, uh, uh, be in the right place at the right time. Uh, it, it's it's no different here than anywhere else, as far as you need to take responsibility for your own safety. Yeah, it's your life, right? Right. Yeah. Um, do you give us, if you can, just for those that won't, because this goes nationwide. What are those five outs, or what are some of the five outs that are on your safety videos that you show the students here at Brigham Young University? Well, one and probably most important one is if you can get out, get away, uh, get into get into a a safe environment. The other one is hide out. If you can't get out, then hide out. Uh, keep out. Uh, sometimes we call that lockdown, but uh, if you're in a room, keep that shooter out. Barricade the door. Uh, do whatever you have to do to keep that shooter out. The other one is call out. Call the police. Don't call us, though, if you just uh, you're hearing rumors. If you see the shooter, you know there's a shooting. Call us. We, we, information is critical for us. And the last one is takeout. If you uh, if a shooter comes in, uh, do everything you can do to save your own life and the lives of others. So you may, if there's ten of you in the room, okay. If he comes in, this is what we're going to do. You will do anything to survive. Mm. I mean, that is th- – those are chilling rules, but especially on the, you know, on the tail end of a, sh- of a live shooter situation in Oregon, except get out, hide out, keep out, call out, take out. I mean, that's, that's a plan. That's something you can remember and something that you can at least lean on when, when it does happen, if it does happen. May I give you an example? Yeah, please. Early on when we first put this video out, we had a professor uh, working in the library. He viewed that video. Uh, it was a short time later. He happened to be in the Holocaust Museum when they had the shooting there. They had an active shooter. Huh. Though he wasn't directly at risk, his comment after was, 
I felt empowered because I had watched that video. I knew what to do. Yep. I mean, we we all should know that, shouldn't we? I mean, that's yes, we that's not even just a campus thing anymore. He he was at the Holocaust Museum and was empowered because he had the information to know what to do in the moment. That's correct. Powerful. Um, and so we can we can see that on BYU's website. Um, is there is that something that the public, the general public, can get to to see? There, not that particular one because that is copyrighted, and we we paid for that. Uh, so that uh, and it's a business arrangement with this company. And okay. Very successful, and again, they they're kind of the gold standard. Yeah, but that that type of training is probably available at most universities, and oh, yes. uh, yeah, I I mean it's it, it really the the rules are very simple: get out, hide out, keep out, call out, and if you, whatever else you have to do to take out the shooter to preserve life and limb. I mean, it's a Oh, it's a terrifying thing, and and as you know, after a shooting, we all sit back and you know, you know, Monday night armchair quarterback it. But when you see that shooting, I mean, I guess in the end, it's it really is going to come down to the individual being empowered or not, and if they're if they're in, you know, there's sometimes you can't get away from that type of situation. But there are other situations that go on on campus that you just shouldn't be involved in in the first place. So I'm I'm assuming, too, a lot of the shootings on campus aren't just like a mass shooter going in, taking people out. I mean, a lot of other issues on campus. There's other violence. There's other things that we need to watch out for as well. Yes, I think it goes back to you need to be responsible for your own safety. Mm. It really is great uh, advice. I mean, I, I know one other issue that we, we probably could address is, you know, sexual abuse on campus um, and, uh, you know, rapes and other things like that. Any any advice or information that you would just give, you know, people, freshmen on campus that are new, uh, maybe not quite knowing what's safe or not safe, what what can we do to protect ourselves that way as well? Well, again, it's be responsible. Know who, you, who you're dating. Uh, social media now is uh, a whole new factor for us. Uh, be safe. Be safe with who you date, where you date. Uh, set your standards and let those standards be known to whoever you're on a date with. Uh, it's Again, it's being streetwise. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. I think it's, it's all great advice. Again, Lieutenant Arnold Lemon from BYU Campus Police Department, we appreciate you and that great insight um, to just how to handle, how to handle all of these new stresses that we face and our children face going to school. Uh, everybody out there in listener land, it really is. It's it's information your kids need to know. And I'm sure every campus has resources and tools. I'd make sure your children that are on campus, um, wherever they are, have have gone through those videos that I, I'm I'm sure most police departments will have for how to handle those those situations. Tough stuff, isn't it? That this is what we have to train our children to do and to be. But empowered, nothing wrong with that. You can use that the rest of your life 
Interesting stuff. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back and uh, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we live in such a, an interesting world today that it doesn't seem like you're going to be able to go take a class that will teach you how to handle every single possible potential situation you might come across. Right? But you can empower yourself with... Uh, with some pretty basic skills and tools, which is what Lieutenant Arnold Lemon was teaching us from BYU Police Department. Um, We talked about two videos, the five outs and shots fired, both videos we actually just found on YouTube. So they're out there, and uh, we've actually put them on our Twitter page. So if you go to at Dr. Matt Matt Tweets, is it at Dr. Matt Show, at Dr. Matt Show, you can find um, those links to those to those videos and learn about the five outs. And uh, Lieutenant Arnold Lemon told us um, a really interesting story about a BYU professor that was empowered to know what to do because he watched those videos. So I would probably be showing those videos to your family, to your kids. I mean, you know, look at them beforehand and make sure they're appropriate for the younger children. But when I when I hear the word empowered, I always think of um, th- that empower means that you have the power within you to do what you need to do. You need to know what to do in a situation. When I was um, many moons ago, when I was 21 years old, I was an EMT on an ambulance. And I took three months worth of emergency medical training, basically advanced life support type of skills and basic life support type of skills. And I learned um, a lot of amazing things that to this day I still remember and I still know how to do because I learned it way back then. So when someone goes down or something happens or somebody goes unconscious, I know basic things to do and it changes my fear. So I don't need to be afraid of what might happen because I know what I would do if things did happen. Having the skills, having the tools empower us. And so the power is within me to handle this situation. But those very five basic rules on that video that uh, the good officer was talking about, getting out, stay out. You know, if you don't have – if you if you're listening and you're getting the feeds – telling you that there's an an active shooter on campus and it's hitting and pinging your phone, then you don't have to walk into a situation. So make sure the people you know that you care about are getting those feeds from their hospitals. So every major employer would have similar type of tools, right? Any major employer, any university, any major hospital situation. So get out. And then when if you can't get out and you're stuck, then hide out. Barricade, put up a lot of barricades, boundaries to make it harder. Do not let uh, the person in the room. Um, keep out, uh, you know, 
keep the person out uh, from getting in and, and harming anybody if you can. Call out as soon as you can that you see something going on. If you hear something going on, not just hearsay, but if you hear gunshots, the the police officers need the data because the data makes it easier for them to maneuver. And then if you have to and you're down to a last resort, do what you can to stop the situation and to protect yourself and others. So there are the tools. Folks, all of us, we all need them. It just If, if more than 30% of us on a campus had that, we'd be better off. Let's do what we can to get more informed. That's why we do the show. We'll take a break. Come back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you find the good of the world right here on Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every day, three hours a day, to give you the tools, the information you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Welcome to the program, everybody. Man, a sad day for our boss, uh, Don Shaline, who's, I guess, the station manager of BYU Radio. And uh, you've heard us talk about Don and laugh with Don. And, but uh, Don's dad, Andrew Leroy Shaline, passed away. And uh, Don's the oldest child. And so our prayers are with the Shaline family. Don, you know, great guy. His, uh, he just, he's just a great guy. And he's now got to go do the hard thing that everybody has to do eventually – Take care of your parents as they age and as they pass away. So our prayers are with Don today, and we hope um, we hope his family is is okay and know that we love him and we care about him. Uh, again, it's interesting. One of the things about obituaries, Don had to have had his hand in this obituary because it's so well written too. But I, there's going to be a day, Kathy. You're going to have to write your obituary. I'm writing mine. I'm not going to let anyone write mine. Seriously? I'm writing my obituary. I, Matt Townsend. uh Uh-huh. Okay. Hereby swear. (laughs) But I'm also going to have – I'm planning everything. Really? I want it all planned. I freak my kids out a bit. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Because I'm like, oh, that's a song. I want that at my funeral. I have like 18 songs I want (laughs) at my funeral. You're going to have a very long one then. I am. Four of them are with bagpipes. Mm. I want a bagpiper. You got to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to leave anything to chance. <laughs> no, and with my mother being ill, you just you know you just kind of dread that day. It's you a really horrible do. day. So my heart definitely goes out to Don. Don't you feel like yes. it's just aging is just it's overrated? Very much so, very much so, and it's very hard to see your parents in decline. It's very hard. It is. That's why again, I'm going to make it easy on my kids. Well, that's good. I'm going to just I'm going to write my eulogy. I'm going to write yeah, what I wanted to have read. Have you bought your burial plot yet? No, that I'm going to make them pay for. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to spend money on that. That's just – I mean could I, I could buy like a jet ski or I could buy a plot. Yeah, I'm going with a jet ski. Okay. Why? Sounds good. Come on. Come on. It is kind of depressing, isn't it? it it's sad. But again, uh, prayers go out to Don. By the way, today uh, is Face Your Fears Day, uh, Navy Birthday, and National Train Your Brain Day. 
So what's your fear? What's, what fear are you going to face today? <sighs> this radio show is my fear every day. <laughs> <laughs> you face your fear every day. I That's face good. it every single wow. day. Um, uh, I face it every single day. And, you know, I'd survive. You do. So, you should... mm. I love this song. I do too. Plus, it's because we did that story on it with that boy that has cancer mm-hmm. and he sings every yep. verse of this song. Yep. Oh. This is on my. Good one, Ben. Good job, Ben. Ben nailed it. He nailed it. Uh, that, that's my. That is that's my favorite song of all time. Um, by the way, so I have a son right now traveling to about nine different parks in Utah, state How parks, fun. for the next seven days, eight days, to videotape sunrises, sunsets, the best images in Utah's national parks. Wow. Why is he doing that? Is he, is he creating something? It's that... his job, and he's doing it with some friends, wow. and they're putting together some really awesome videos. Oh, fantastic. And but it's beautiful this time of year. It's beautiful. And last night, he's, and it was like 930, and he's down at Delicate Arch. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing? Just sitting here at Delicate Arch. How fun. Isn't that cool? Oh, that is cool. What a great job. And I'm like, where are you sleeping tonight? He's like, no idea. So that's a little scary. Yeah. But, you know. He'll be fine. You want scorpions or anything crawling on you. That would be a fear. That's a fear. That, He's in fact, facing his fear. It's, you want a fear. How would you like to wake up to something? in your? You're in your tent sleeping in Idaho, and you wake up and you feel something tugging on your hair, just mm. pulling on your hair. Okay. And you're like, honey, stop that. Th- yeah, assuming you're sleeping with someone. <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear a black bear breathing. No. Stephen Vouch, 29, reached behind his head and felt that it was wet. He yelled when he realized that a bear was biting his <gasps> head. No. 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 Mr. Vouch sounds like Homer Simpson. Yes, very much. And he, he, a bear was biting his head, so he screamed and he startled the bear, which jumped up and he hit the tarp above that they were sleeping under. And the tarp tumbled and entangled the animal and the hunter's. Together. Oh, my word. Um, at about 2 a.m. on Friday. That's uh, when he said when my buddy's gun went off. And Hoping apparently his buddy the right shot the bear with a forty-five caliber handgun. The bear scrambled out and up a near, nearby tree. Um, and he had a cut on his head. Anyway, they ended up because they had shot the bear. They had to euthanize, it. euthanize the bear. So they shot the bear, killed the bear. And then they had to get downstream. They patched his head up, floated downstream, and took him to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. It was a 275-pound bear. Wow. That's a story you could tell your grandkids. Oh, yeah. I remember when I had a bear licking on my head. (laughs) Man, so Ben, don't sleep with bears. I'll remember that. Moral of the story. (laughs) But if I forget, I'll just shove my hand down Down their throat. throat. See, these are tools you learn here. See, you've remembered that, Ben. Now, but just so you know, Ben, if your head is in the bear's mouth, you're not getting your hand down his throat. Should I just stick my head further? Shove your head down his throat. And hope he doesn't bite your head off. And you're going to wish you had a (laughs) double-jointed shoulder because you've got to get your head pretty far down to to create the gag reflex. Great story. So, Wow. 
Uh, and so now, now that just actually scared me because now I have a son. But he's not in bear country. He's yeah. more likely to just be eaten by a scorpion or have a snake curl mm-hmm. around a him. A rattler. Oh, scary. Anyway, let's go to the headlines, Kathy. What's up? Good morning, everyone. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders will face off for the first time tonight in the first Democratic debate taking place in Las Vegas. The CNN debate expected to spark fights between the two over their policy issues. One of those is gun control. Here's Sanders. I come from a state that has virtually no gun control. Mm -hmm. And yet, at political peril, uh, I voted for an instant background check, which I want to see strengthened and expanded. Uh, I voted to ban certain types of assault weapons, which are designed only to kill people. I voted to end the so-called gun show loophole. What I did say is that we keep shouting at each other, Mm -hmm. which is what's been going on here for 20 years, ain't going nowhere. GOP frontrunner Donald Trump is also weighing in on the debate tonight. Here's what he had to say about Hillary. Well, I think she's nervous about her whole future. I think she's got a lot of problems, you know, beyond the debate. I think she's got a lot of problems. I think that she will, you know, probably do fine. She hasn't been a great debater, I guess, you know, in past. But I think she just has to hold. I can't imagine Bernie Sanders will beat her. A new CNN poll shows Clinton leading Sanders 50 to 34 percent. The three others on the stage will be Lincoln Chafee, Jim Webb, and Martin O'Malley. Two Kansas City firefighters are being hailed as heroes after saving two civilians in a burning building before it collapsed on them, killing the two firefighters. 17-year veteran Larry Leggio and 13-year veteran John Mesh were killed in the blaze. Two other firefighters were hospitalized or in stable condition. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Dutch air crash investigators said today Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 was shot down over eastern Ukraine last year by what is believed to have been a Russian-made surface-to-air missile. The missile killed all 298 people on board. The findings show the missile detonated near the cockpit, bringing down the rest of the plane. Russia denies the theory, one held by the U.S. and Ukraine, who believe the plane was shot down by Russian-backed separatists in the region. South Carolina football coach Steve Spurrier announced last night he's retiring effective immediately. Spurrier's Gamecocks are just 2-4 and this year, and his replacement could be announced this morning. The 70-year-old Spurrier won the Heisman Trophy in 1966 with Florida and later coached the Gators to the national championship in 1996. USC football coach Steve Sarkeesian was fired yesterday, just one day after he was put on indefinite leave. Athletic director Pat Hayden made the move after Sarkeesian allegedly showed up to a meeting drunk. Offensive coordinator Clay Hilton was named interim head coach. In Monday night football, Pittsburgh beat San Diego with a touchdown as time expired, beating the Chargers 24-20. In Major League Baseball last night in the playoffs, Toronto beating Texas 8-4. Kansas City rallied to beat Houston 9-6. The Mets crushed the Dodgers 13-7, and it was the Cubs over the Cardinals 8-6. Both the Cubs and the Mets can clinch their series with wins tonight on their home fields. And Matt, the owner of a reptile store had to be rescued when he got tied up recently, literally. Terry Wilkins called for help after this 20-foot python weighing 125 pounds wrapped around him. When officers arrived, the man was totally unconscious with a snake wrapped around his head and neck. Oh, my heavens. The officers grabbed the snake and unwrapped it from the owner. The man was treated at a local hospital with nearly two dozen stitches where the snake bit him on the arm. So I guess the man was cleaning the snake's cage when it bit down on the arm and... The snake was unharmed. Not sure if they had to put it down or whatever, but oh. yeah, would that be the worst? That Can would you be the imagine worst. just slowly wrapping itself around you? Would yes. you rather have what was it? A the python? Bear? Oh, yes, it was a python. A bear, you know, clomping Tromping down on your, on your head, or a python wrapped around your neck? 
Mm. Well, I'm guessing you can't just shove your arm down the python's <clears throat> mouth. Well, the, I no. think the python would prefer that. Well, yeah, so I think yeah. I might prefer the bear. I'm thinking the bear you could r- yeah. try to run away from. The python you had no chance, pretty much. Right. I think yeah. bears are cuter. Mm-hmm. Like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I mean. I mean, yeah, bears are like just, that. I think they're cuddly. <laughs> that is crazy. I know. He's it lucky was like last, to be alive. Last week we talked about the woman that found the snake under her dryer, Yeah, which would be horrible. You know, so we're wired to have a fear of snakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, for tens of thousands of years, we've been evolving to yes. hate snakes. I think for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really horrible snake sound, though. <laughs> it sounds like somebody, you know, popped the snake because <laughs> it just had a slow leak. Or was that the... That was I get it. That was the hiss of the python clamping down. Anyway, crazy stuff. Hey, uh, when it comes to your employment, have you? Do you feel like you do a very good job of pitching yourself? Do you know how to get in there and talk about how great you are, or does that like just seem weird? I shouldn't have to. I mean, that's weird. I don't want to. I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm pretty amazing. Well, we're going to – we've got a guest that's coming up and we're going to be getting into the, the, the do's, the don'ts, the in and the outs of uh, pitching yourself, being able to, to sell yourself. In today's business world, folks, it may be a huge advantage for you. So stick with us. We'll come back. We'll be talking about uh, probably the most important pitch you'll ever make. That's your ability to pitch yourself to others. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show helping you find a job and keep it in today's crazy business world. That's up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, a while ago, I was uh, looking through Harvard Business Review. Found an article, What a Year of Job Rejections Taught Me About Pitching Myself by uh, Nina Muffley. And I'm like, okay, we got to talk to this lady. She is, she's tried and tested. She figured it out after graduating from uh, with a bachelor's degree from the University of California, Riverside, where she studied political science and Italian studies. She then needed to go get a job, and, uh, it, you know, it's it's a hard deal. It's Sometimes it's hard to find a job, so she went out. Uh, by the way, she's got a lot of great experience behind her. Um, she's been a communication specialist who focuses on moving companies and organizations onto the digital space to connect and engage with their consumers. She also um, has extensive experience in the social media space, and was um, a social media strategist for Her Majesty Queen Rania of Jordan, who was the first royal to actively engage a global audience in such a direct dialogue. So she has the experience, and then she's got to go learn to pitch herself to to, to find the jobs that she wants. Currently, she works for um, uh, the organization Upwork, which is a global freelancing program that connects businesses with freelancers from all over the world. Nina Muffley, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Honored to have you and love your story. Um, so, so fill us in. Talk to us about your story. You had the degrees. You had experience. 
But how did you how did you what did you learn in that year that you were trying to get a job? It was an extremely humbling year. So I think I learned a lot during the process. But basically what was missing was I had just moved from the Middle East to the U.S. So all of the experience you mentioned and, and the work history that I had was very relevant to the market there. And I understood that it would be a challenge to sort of uproot myself 10 years later and, and move back to the U.S. and search for opportunities in the most competitive uh, market in my field, which is Silicon Valley. So I expected it to take me a while. After about a year of experiencing the exact same results, I realized that my expectations were uh, definitely not in line with what was going on. It was getting more and more challenging, and I didn't see any progress that sort of made me feel that the year would wrap up in a year and a half or, or even less than that. So I decided that I had to sort of pitch myself the way I would if I was dealing with a marketing campaign for a client and sort of think of myself as a job candidate as a product and uh, try to create some demand around hiring me. That's, you know, that's, you just took yourself on as if you were a client. Did you pay yourself? You should have paid yourself. <laughs> I, mean, I if, got a job in the end, so I guess yeah. that counts as paying myself. <laughs> but really, that's a gutsy thing. You leave the Middle East, you come over, you go to the most competitive area in the most competitive market, and you got to make it work. So what what did you do as a professional to get yourself out there, to get the opportunities, even to get the job, just the job, the opportunity to pitch yourself? Well, I'm I'm really lucky that my background in social media was – very, very useful to, um, to every step that I took, not just the final campaign. Uh, but along the way throughout the year, I used all my, the social media tools that I had access to, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, to make sure I could establish connections with people that I didn't know in this market. And I was very lucky that they were also open to it. So throughout the year, I sort of identified my hit list of co- uh, companies that I'd like to work for, teams that I wanted to engage online and offline, and I had some great responses from different companies throughout the process in engaging through conversation. Um, where I found the most challenging part was was translating those initial great conversations into something a bit more formal, like like an interview or, or something more than that. Even it's just, yeah, um, you, you so, could you could be social, you could you could chat them up, but how do you segue that into a job opportunity? Absolutely. And I I assumed it would be a bit easier. I assumed that, um, you know, once you show somebody your value, the kind of qualities that you can bring, then that could be enough to sort of get them excited about potentially exploring more. Hmm. Uh, What I realized months later after going through this process is that I was showing some charisma and I was showing some great personality traits, but I wasn't really showing value. Um, And that's where this campaign came in. I decided I wanted to take a couple of days to, to do a bit of research on a market that I'm very familiar with and a brand that I'm very familiar with, um, being Airbnb and the Middle East, and sort of uh, put together an expansion strategy of where I think they could benefit the most. And the goal in doing that project was, first, I, I wanted to have some fun with it, and I think Airbnb is a great brand to do that. Um, but beyond just targeting them, I felt that if I could show other recruiters around the area that this is the kind of value I could bring to a company that I don't work with, then perhaps that might raise a few eyebrows um, and generate a few conversations for for other companies as well, which I was extremely fortunate 
to, to get their attention. Um, That's great. interesting. Did, did they know, um, were they already looking for that type of expansion and value, or did you bring that idea to them? As far as I was aware, they hadn't been looking um, at the region for a while. And from conversations, sort of informal conversations that I'd had with uh, different people there, I understood that it probably wouldn't be on their roadmap for a bit. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a great opportunity for me to sort of point out something that wasn't going on in a way that I knew um, very intimately what they should do. And it's very exciting to me sort of after the fact to see that they're now looking for somebody in the Middle East and, and they're looking to hire somebody yeah. there. So it's, it's sort of a, a great full circle where I've ended up at a fantastic company uh, doing some exciting work with Upwork and at the same time, a brand and a community that I, I genuinely care about is expanding into a region that I'm very uh, passionate about as well. And I, I think it's an important learning, isn't it, Nina, that um, it's one thing to have a great personality and a great resume, but you need to bring me value. I, when I'm hiring you, I, it's easier for me to justify it if I can already see value. I mean, va- and value in business terms means growth, opportunity. I mean, bottom line, money. Absolutely. Um, and it, it can be a lot of things to a lot of different companies. Yeah. But I think one of the most important um, attributes that startups look for is can you also be a bit versatile can you be sort of an expert in your field but also have the ability to think you know laterally on on so many different um angles and so i i tried as much as i could to show that i'm a marketer by trade but i also think of you know company growth and and where there are opportunities and and sort of try to always navigate um the the world with that sense and, and bring that to the company that i'd be working with Wow. How many times were you rejected uh, as you were going through the process? Did you quit counting? I I lost count. And I also lost count because it's very difficult to track down the resumes that you send that never get any feedback. Right, yeah. Stock answers of, you know, thanks for submitting something. Um, But it's definitely up there in the, the hundreds, I think. Oh, wow. And how did you not lose hope? I mean, it seems like if you're being rejected by hundreds... Um, especially with companies you were really wanting and seeking after, and especially because you would try to network your way into some of them, how did you not lose your your hope? I think I did, to be honest with you. Um, this sort of last-ditch uh, effort at creating this campaign came out of desperation. Um, and, I, and I've mentioned to so many people that I've talked to about it that it kind of took a year of rejections to push me to the brink of creativity. Hmm. And I really felt that I wasn't looking to be more creative, but I was just looking to find a solution to my problem. And the, the desperation got me there. So I guess it's a good thing that I lost a little bit of hope at some point. Yeah, yeah, it did. It pushed you to the end. Now, you could have gone two directions, right? You could have, <laughs> you could have gone crazy or you could have gone to what the way you did more creative. Um, let's take a break. Again, just, I think, such valuable insight for all of us. We're speaking with uh, Nina Muffley, and she's going to – Uh, Come back with us and we'll continue this discussion, try to figure out more tools and ideas that Nina can give us for how we could learn to pitch ourselves better and, uh, you know, and hopefully network our way to a better um, job and, and maybe a better life. Stick with us. More with Nina Muffley after the break.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we are joined by Nina Muffley, who is uh, the author of an article on Harvard Business Review, What a Year of Job Rejections Taught Me About Pitching Myself. And um, Nina is a freelancer with growth and uh, freelancer growth manager at Upwork, an online talent platform for freelancers, where she works with top freelancers around the world to establish and grow their careers online. She is passionate about building and growing communities and is dedicated to global uh, social impact. Nina, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Love having you on. And to me, this is this is just everybody. Everybody needs to learn how to uh, to use the you know social network, use our networks a little bit better or a lot better. But also just we need to know how to pitch ourselves. So teach us some of the strategies that you used to, uh, to fight through and, and, and break through and get a great job. Well, one of the main strategies um, that I will always use going forward is uh, finding out what value you can bring to the conversation. And I think when we say pitching ourselves, it's important to do this not just in job interviews, uh, but if we're talking to potential investors, potential partners, um, any sort of conversation, even potential clients, it's really great to be able to think of the other person and sort of understand where they are and what they're looking for and how you can complement that. I mean, that's so true. Investors um, and, and or business partners or jobs. I mean, the the job market's changing a lot where – You may not need to go get a job at a company, but you may need to enroll investors into your ideas. So how do I go about establishing what my value is? Because you you say we we really ought to take the place of the other and find out, kind of think of what they need to see. Um, How how do I go about identifying my value? I think that's an amazing question that has so many different answers depending on the exact situation that you're in. Um, And so it starts off with – getting an understanding of the person across the table who you want to be talking to. And that has to do with their time, their attention, and what their goals are. And for me, it took me a while to understand the volume of communication that a lot of these recruiters have to deal with, especially, you know, the more attractive a company, the more people are going after it. So really understanding that the traditional resume is not going to get very far in terms of capturing their attention with the kind of value that I can bring And the reason I realized this is because I spent hours throughout the year sort of iterating on my resume and fixing a word here and there and and highlighting different uh, parts of my background, but only to realize that that was almost the same action that I was taking, which was going to get me the same result. Hmm. And a big part of it was not understanding um, how I was trying to communicate with the recruiter and what world he or she had been in uh, when they were looking at my resume. And so I think it's really important to get an understanding for their unique challenges, their time constraints, their attention span, and and really what they're looking for and to try to show them that even before they maybe realize it. Yeah. And it's because and every new situation may have a new need, right? Absolutely. So, So it's really like this is something you could keep just rewriting your resume or you could actually customize your presentation and thoughts to what does this person really need from me in this type of situation? That's powerful. Absolutely. And then it seems like 
um, it, it actually increases your awareness because I'm assuming if you if you went through that approach of identifying your value and you identified it in 20 different situations, your value is pretty expansive. Well, I, I would hope so. Um, and the other thing is it also makes me more prepared uh, for the different kinds of conversations that we would have post showing the value. Yeah. Um, and it also sort of gave me the opportunity to set the tone of a lot of conversations. And that was not part of the strategy. It was sort of a very nice um, uh, effect of what had happened. But it really allowed us to kind of go into the conversations of this is the value that I bring. And I, I mentioned in the, the article on Harvard Business Review that for the entire year, as I had moved here from the Middle East, I was really thinking about how can I show these companies that I would fit in, that even though I'm coming from a different market, from a smaller size company, uh, that I could still fit in here. And a year later, I realized I was going about it all wrong. What I should have done was think about how I would stick out rather Mm. than fit in and the kind of unique value that I would bring uh, as Nina rather than as candidate X. And that's that's where I was able to kind of guide the conversation because once this report that I created for Airbnb started getting a lot of international attention, the interviews that I had would then start off with, tell me about your experience in the Middle East, um, and in a very different tone and appreciation than uh, than the previous conversations I was having, or even not having. Well, yeah, now, now they can appreciate your difference. Now you don't. Isn't that an interesting shift in paradigm? How do I, how, how I could stick in, you know, and stick out instead of how to fit in? It's so it, it, if I'm looking for somebody that's going to stick out, that's a whole different hiring process than I want one that's just going to fit in with the rest of us. Yeah, and I think that also changes from company to company, sure. right? That's a beautiful thing about Silicon Valley is everyone is looking to sort of disrupt the status quo. And uh, in order to do that, you really need people that have fresh perspectives. And the last thing that you'd want to do as a company is over-index from a specific background or have everybody sort of group thinking in the same way. And I think it's really beneficial in an area like this where you can show them that you have value in a different direction and you kind of have something unique that you bring to the table. What? what so you put together a report basically that you created for Airbnb that was about how you would expand – or how they could possibly expand to the Middle East – um, yeah. And then what did you do? Then what? How, how did you turn that into getting you opportunities and jobs? So there were a couple uh, steps that I took to make sure that the report got the attention of the right people. And the first thing I did was I leveraged my contacts in the Middle East. I don't have much of a social professional network here yet. Um, and so I thought, well, If you're online, it almost doesn't matter where you're speaking as long as you're speaking. Mm. And so I sent my contacts a copy of the report, and I said, if you think there's any value in this, if you think it's cool, or even if you think it's terrible, this is an experiment that I'm doing, please feel free to talk about it and and use this hashtag on Twitter. And so I started to see some of my contacts talk about it, and I thought, that's great. That's creating a little bit of noise. Um, And then after I got sort of this critical mass of conversations, which I was shooting for like 20, 30 uh, different people talking about it, I then tweeted uh, to the founders of Airbnb and to their leadership team. And I said, here's a report on your company in the Middle East. Very brief, um, sort of constrained by Twitter, obviously, but also intentionally so. All I wanted was to get their attention by saying this is a report on your company. 
and that would be enough to then take them to the website, which wow. I was very fortunate that it did. Uh, within a couple of hours, the CEO had tweeted back that he was impressed and he was looking at it. Uh, so from my perspective, to go from not being able to get recruiters on the phone to finally having the CEO of one of the biggest companies in, in Silicon Valley tell me he's looking at a project that I created. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a fantastic turn of events. And, uh, you know, with, with a bit more support on uh, on social media, I had uh, the, the luck that a few highly influential um, people in the area were talking about it. It ended up spreading and getting mainstream press attention. And then from there on, I ended up getting a lot of inbound uh, communication from recruiters. And I took it a step further by saying, well, now I can kind of relevantly contextualize myself and introduce myself to a few of the recruiters here. So why don't I go back to the companies that I've been targeting and say, hey, I'm the girl that created this report. Would you like to have a conversation now? Mm. And that opened up uh, a whole other set of doors that I was really lucky. That is about. cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess, Nina, I guess that's one way to do it. I mean, you could go to monster.com. And just drop your drop your application, or you could go do what you did and created a buzz. I mean, you you had a viral buzz about you. Yeah, and it's still kind of hard to digest that something that I created out of desperation ended up getting um, such attention, and that I continue to receive uh, mail and, and messages from people who I don't know all over the world who say that they've experienced something similar and. That sort of opened my eyes to something that was very hard to deal with when I was going through the process, which is that it's a very emotionally challenging process to be rejected so often. Right, right. For such an extended period. And I realized that so many people kind of go through this alone. So towards the end of the process, when I was finally settled and, you know, finally had the, the ability to breathe and say, oh, wow, I've ended up at this amazing company being Upwork. Um, I wanted to be very transparent about the sort of emotional ups and downs that I'd experienced. And so I, I blogged personally, usually about travel, and I made sure to use that platform to share parts of the story with my readers. Huh. And I was really touched by their responses and, and how much um, it made a difference to people to know that we're all going through the same hardship together in that sense. That is so great. And then, I mean, it's interesting. It almost seems like it started you – in a different kind of career, really? In a way, it did. So I've gone from marketing um, as my background and my profession for the past 10 years, marketing communications, to now I have an operations role at Upwork. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's separate from the entire experience with Airbnb and, and the report, but it allowed me to, as I was going into conversations with different companies, sort of look at what the most exciting career paths would be and just set me on this different trajectory where now I feel like I'm learning so much more about something I've never done before, um, but using, again, my background and my relevance to, to add value to a new role. That's, I, th- I think, sounds like the key. The key is take your strengths, uh, the tools that you know are uniquely you, and go figure out how you will add value. And, and you did it in a very kind of general way you just you went after the kind of almost an entire industry an entire marketplace and and threw it out there but we could you could even be more specific i mean you went to airbnb as as the target but Mm -hmm. but really you got noticed by an entire industry um or more yeah and again i'm so lucky for that to happen i think there was a lot of work and strategy that went into that um but also that the timing 
was so fortunately on my side and the novelty of it to get people's attention, yeah. um, I think made it turn into the global phenomenon that it turned out to be. So I'm so, so fortunate for that. that. But that really also was because of your background, your communications, your marketing background, your your talent, your social media, you knew how to leverage those things. So nobody needs to go try to compete with what you did, but everyone could bring their tool set to answer the value needs of, of others. Absolutely. And I've always loved learning things that I'm curious about, and I've always loved teaching uh, what I do learn. So one thing that I did after this experience was I put together a white paper that's hosted on the website, Nina for Airbnb, to teach anybody that is interested in, interested in learning about it the exact step-by-step process that I use um, to, to market this and to make it go global. And I hope that that would be helpful to anyone around the world that is curious, um, that is interested in creating their own campaigns, be it for their personal brand or for something that they're building themselves or a part of building. Where, where can um, they get so that, Nina? It's on Nina for Airbnb.com. Nina for Airbnb. Yeah. I saw that. Nina for Airbnb.com. Yep. Wow. And, and so that, then they can kind of see the whole process, how it all went down. And um, and change lives. What what would you say just to the average person? Let's say somebody comes up, sits down with you, Nina. They've been struggling six months into this. They've tried their network. They've tried you know all of the big sites. They've put out a hundred or so resumes. What would you say is the one thing that they need to think about and and focus on right now to have some success moving forward? <sighs> I would say the one thing is to, and I I might sound a bit like a broken record here, but to take a step back from it and try to think of what people are thinking is wrong um, with their approach or with them as a potential candidate or what they're missing, and then really trying to do some soul searching and understand what is the kind of value that I could bring to to that person and what are they missing in, in that link and why, and being able to address that. Yeah, it really is. I think we we all have the tendency to hope that our own value would shine and people would recognize it. But sometimes we really have to do some hand-holding for the recruiters or the people we're talking to in the process and understand where they're misreading um, our our value and try to present that to them. You keep bringing that up for some crazy reason, Nina. (laughs) We, We need to keep worrying about... We need to think about it from the other's perspective, don't we? We need to really get into their head and think either what's wrong with my presentation and what are their needs? What are the, what do they need to hear from me? Not what do I keep pushing on them? Absolutely. And you know, as a marketer, I'm a little embarrassed to confess that it took me a year to really (laughs) click with that way of thinking because had I been trying to market a product, I would, first thing I would do would be to try to understand my audience, what the segment is, how I'm going to communicate with them. Um, But we're just so ingrained with looking at job processes and, and, you know, going after jobs um, in such a traditional way that I think just because the actual application process hasn't changed uh, in the last few decades doesn't mean that our approach to it has to be the same. That's right. Well, and again, that that works in human relationships too. That would work in getting funding and talking to investors. That works everywhere. It's a principle. It's a universal, Nina. Good job. Uh, And congratulations. Way to knock it out of the park. 
Thank you so much, Matt. I you appreciate bet. that. And thanks for writing the article. Um, again, everybody, go check out Nina Muffley's uh, – go check out the website, Nina4, number 4, Airbnb.com. Nina, number 4, Airbnb.com. And, um, and you can then see the whole outline for how she went about creating the value. Um, also, you can go find out more information at Upwork where she is a freelancer growth manager there. And um, it works, folks. It works. Taking the place of other. It's a great principle in life um, to help you get a job, to help you get money, to help you get ahead. Stick with us. We'll take a break, come back, do a little wrap-up of this topic. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Hoping, doing whatever we can to help you have a healthier, happier life. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's cool to see somebody get so creative. And and think about that. If if you've got a specialty, like uh, Nina Muffley was talking about, you could go out and create an answer for a company before they even know they need it. You know, somebody could need that answer. Or at the very least, they're going to see, man, this person's got a brain. Anyway, powerful stuff. I would go... I just I just downloaded it myself. Go to uh, that website, nina4airbnb.com, and just download the white paper of what she learned and how she did it. It, it would probably spark you for uh, certain things that, that you could do. By the way, creativity is the key. So you've heard what's going on with the Republicans, right, in the House majority uh, or in the, with House majority – Kevin leader McKevin McCarthy backing out as Speaker of the House. You know, he was the heir apparent and he just backed out. He withdrew his bid because it's in disarray. There's a tiny group of 40 or so Freedom Caucus members that have uh, that have the GOP by the, you know, by the throat (laughs) and they're in charge. They're managing to 40 are managing to neutralize the rest of the GOP. So, you know, you've heard all about the crazy chaos. Well, uh, one Democratic representative was hard at work on the project to help out the GOP with their lack of, uh, of electable candidates. They can't find a candidate that makes everyone happy in the GOP. So uh, perhaps inspired by David Axelrod's suggestion that the GOP may have to post a listing on Craigslist to fill the speaker's chair, Representative Mark Takano of California, Democrat, by the way, and his staff went ahead and wrote up a fake Speaker of the House ad to put on Craigslist, poking fun at the GOP woes. Are you an American citizen, the ad said? Do you have experience negotiating hostage situations? Question mark. Are you ready for the challenge of a lifetime? Then this job is for you. The Post goes on to list the responsibilities of the job, including keeping the government open and explaining to the Freedom Caucus the concepts of compromise and democratic governance. It also listed as a requirement, um, babysitting experience strongly preferred. (laughs) Oh, the Dems are having fun with this. 
seeing the GOP in disarray, uh, you know, one way to find it is Craigslist. There's a lot of things you can find on Craigslist. There might even be uh, there might even be an answer to the Speaker of the House role. We know Ben found an answer. Um, he found a date on FarmersOnly.com. Singlefarmers.com. Singlefarmers.com. Dot net, sorry. Singlefarmers.net forward slash farm now. Yeah, turnip specialties. Really? Yeah. So if, you know, if you can find a future bride on farmers, singlefarmers.com forward slash now forward slash radish head, then maybe the GOP can find a speaker on Craigslist. I, I think they really can. Craigslist has got other repu- another reputation that you may not want your speaker from Craigslist. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe they ought to try single farmers now. Anyway, um, good stuff, folks. We always need more creative people. We'll take a break. Hour number two, the Matt Townsend Show. It's in the books. Book them, Dano. We've got a whole hour next hour. We're going to be talking about sugar health lots of good stuff uh plus we'll be visiting our good buddies from byu sports nation stick with us folks this is the matt townsend show helping you live longer and love stronger we'll be right back after the break this is the matt townsend show your guide on the side follow dr matt on twitter at dr matt show call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU this is the matt townsend show dr matt townsend now on byu radio byu radio good morning everybody welcome to the matt townsend show dr matt here your coach your guide on the side you know it's hard being the life coach to everyone in the world <laughs> but I'm willing to do it to help you along welcome to the program hope you're uh, getting in shape today is the day tonight's the night the fight of the century Bernie Sanders and Hillary Rodham Clinton a battle royale the death match also known as the democratic debate <sighs> For some odd reason, don't know why, but it feels like it's going to be a little bit of a sleeper, a little bit of a snoozer. Kathy, I know you're planning to watch. I'll be watching baseball. Okay. Yep. Will you have in the little box, you'll have the game on, but the then- split screen. You'll have a little split uh-huh. screen where yep. you'll see Bernie and Hillary. Uh-huh. Pretty much. And then I'll just listen to the you know so-called experts after it's over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't- yeah. <laughs> CNN will have one view and Fox News will have another. And MSN and a whole other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's – You know, there's just uh, – I figure the baseball tonight, it, it, the two teams could clinch and I'd rather watch that than a debate that's going to have five more. So I'll take yeah. my time. But yeah, see – I've still got you, plenty of time. But what I would do is I'd keep your eye on Martin O'Malley because I have a feeling – in the middle of this whole debate, you're going to see him jump one of them. That he's either going to jump Bernie or on Hillary, and there's going to be a knockdown drag out. Fight. I think he'll go for Hillary since she's leading by quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, you think that's so? Yep. Yeah. Mm. 
What, what is this? What, what is this you're doing here? This is a Rocky music, so I thought it'd be a good... Oh. Yeah. Mm, Bringing him into the ring. You can almost see him walking <laughs> into the ring. Bernie wobbling. Taking on Hillary Rodham Clinton. And, well, and Hillary will talk about, you know, the war on women and all that stuff that just drives me crazy. Well, you're a woman. Yeah. Aren't you glad on. she's at war for you? No, because she makes it sound like I can't fend for myself. You're a strong woman. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that to me is just such a non-issue. Well, she's fighting for the everyday person. Aren't they all? <laughs> I mean, she hasn't driven a car for years. The everyday person drives. Yeah. Oh. The everyday person. What's up with that? That's crazy. She's fighting for you, though. I know. Is I'm there feeling, a war I'm on the women? Love. I really am. There's no war on women. It's absolutely fabricated. And like I say, it just makes women look weak and that we can't you know, make up our own minds on things. Right. I agree. It just, just go with you know the, the issues that everybody needs, the economy, foreign policy, things like that. Just basic, simple stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, very simple stuff. Hey, um, where did you get married? Like, where did you have your reception? We had actually a dinner. We had a dinner. Oh, kinda. I, we went yeah. into the reception thing. So we yeah. had a dinner, yeah, at a country club. How about you? Well, you're a runner. I, I Mine was in the, at prison. <laughs> it was, it was were weird. Were you jailed or was your wife jailed? Yeah, we both uh-huh. were. You both were, okay. Yeah, it was weird. Um, <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> no, I, we were just, we had a big reception, you know. One of those Mormon receptions. Uh-huh. Where you invite everybody. Everybody uh-huh. comes. Yeah. That's why we didn't want one. And guess what we serve for food, by the way? Hot dogs. Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, ice cream sundaes. That's perfect. Everybody likes ice cream sundaes. Because we- How could you go wrong? Right. Everybody likes ice cream. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, everyone else thought it was pretty cheap. <laughs> but it was the cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> But you know, you know, at that age though, you uh, you, you got to be. Cheap. We didn't care. Yeah, it was cold out. It was. It was cold out, it was, and you had ice cream. Yeah, oh, was, that's probably not a good idea. It's February. <laughs> was it like the Kroger ice cream? Uh, no, it was like a really nice uh, hotel's ice cream, whatever oh, that is. So it's probably like Costco. <laughs> and it was um, Costco. But deer were out eating in the field behind. It was beautiful. It was incredible. And where is this going? Well, because here, check this out. Okay. One couple got married, but you won't believe where they got married. Okay. Chicago Marathon, mile marker eight. Oh. They stopped running. Stephanie Reinhardt says she just wanted a short and sweet ceremony. Mark Jockel wanted a big wedding surrounded by friends and family. The 35 year old Reinhardt and the 46 year old Jockel compromised. Marrying at the eight-mile mark in Sunday's Chicago Marathon. Perfect. Isn't that Did cool? they finish the marathon after that? Apparently. Wow. Apparently, he probably carried her across the finish line. There no, you go. I don't know. That's Reinhardt perfect. wore a white running outfit and held flowers, while Jockel, Jockel wore a tuxedo T-shirt. Love it. They exchanged vows under a garden arch decorated with race medals, and the ceremony took less than four minutes. Yeah, I mean, you got to get, you know, you're, you want to get your time. I mean, that's so. an average potty break if you have to wait in line for yeah, a few minutes. That's true. So, four minutes, that could make or break your personal right. best. So it was a simple wedding. Several thousands of guests were there, by the way. Very, yes. The couple that, who knew, who right. n- did not know who they were. The marathon organizers actually gave the couple customized bride and groom bibs and they nice. toasted with some Gatorade. There you go. Yeah. 
It's probably not good to have champagne at mile eight mm-hmm. if you're going to run the rest of the right. marathon. Uh-huh. No, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And then they went to the medical tent after mm-hmm. and had a couple's massage. <laughs> <laughs> it was really awesome. That's per- how, how great romantic that? is that? Uh, don't you think? The couple's massage, you're all sweaty uh-huh. and gross. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, and your husband's getting an IV. <laughs> yeah, right, Chip? Yeah, let's oh. just, this is good. Can someone walk us to the car? That's so sad. Anyway, uh, Kathy, you got headlines for us, something going on? I do. Good morning, everyone. According to a new Fox News poll just released, Hillary Clinton tops the Democrats, but against Republicans, Vice President Joe Biden is more electable. Against the GOP, Clinton trails Ben Carson by 11 points, Donald Trump by 5. Jeb Bush leads her by 4 points and Carly Fiorina by 3. But Biden beats all those Republicans, according to the poll, though he has yet to announce his decision whether or not he's going to run. Tonight, the Democrats hit the spotlight with a first debate set in Las Vegas. Bernie Sanders, currently in second place in the polls, is hoping for a civilized debate. Let's treat each other civilly. Let's treat each other respectfully. And let's not try to demonize people. The other three on tonight's podium in Las Vegas are former Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee, former Virginia Senator Jim Webb, and former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley. O'Malley recently criticized Clinton on her views on the military. Secretary Clinton's always quick for the military intervention. I believe that a no-fly zone right now is, uh, uh, is not advisable. According to the Associated Press, the private email server running in Clinton's home was connected to the Internet in a way that make it more vulnerable to hackers. Experts say the remote desktop server was not intended for such use without additional protective measures. Two Kansas City firefighters died last night when a building engulfed in flames collapsed. The firefighters saved two civilians just before it collapsed. Two other firefighters were hospitalized and are reportedly in stable condition. South Carolina football coach Steve Spurrier announced his retirement last night effective immediately. The 70-year-old Spurrier won the Heisman Trophy in 1966 with Florida and then he led the Gators to the national championship as a coach in 1996. ESPN reports co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sean Elliott will be the interim coach. USC football coach Steve Sarkeesian was fired yesterday, just one day after he was asked to go on indefinite leave after reportedly having issues with drinking. This is USC's fourth coaching change in just over two years. Winners last night in the Major League Baseball playoffs were Kansas City, Toronto, the Mets, and the Cubs. The Mets and Cubs can clinch their series with wins tonight, both games on their home fields. And Matt, a New York woman is suing her her 12-year-old nephew Mm -hmm. after an incident at his birthday party four years ago. Oh, boy. The boy, who was 50 pounds at the time, I guess jumped into her arms when she arrived at the party and when she went to catch him, they both fell and she broke her wrist. 54-year-old Jennifer Connell. Do that one more time, would you? Oh, come on. That's so perfect. 54-year-old Jennifer Connell claims the injury is having a toll on her social life. She said, Matt, recently that she was at a party and it was difficult to hold her hors d'oeuvre plate. The human resources manager from Manhattan acknowledged her nephew was young and that he's loving and sensitive, but she insisted the boy was old enough at the time to be held accountable. Connell is seeking $127,000 in damages. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm not. Hey, Mom, why, why don't we let... Aunt Janice over anymore. Well, because she's suing us. Suing us. Well, people, uh, some of the comments saying that she's just doing it because she knows the homeowner's insurance will pay for it. Other people not so kind and, you know, I won't say Uh, what they said. Yeah. So. He was eight years old. He was 50 pounds. But you don't go jumping. Yeah, you don't. With love in people's arms. Yeah. 
Yeah. She can't, you know, when you can't hold your hors d'oeuvre plate, then that's serious. And you do need, you do yeah. need to go after, after well, your nephew. According to our next guest, <laughs> she probably doesn't need an hors d'oeuvre plate. <laughs> so sad. Oh. Yeah, it's so true. Can't wait to hear Man. about it. Yeah, crazy. Great, uh, great news. Sad, sad family situation there. Oh, that's pathetic. Coming up next, folks, is Associate Professor of Exercise Sciences here at Brigham Young University. And, uh, Dr. Ron Hager is going to be talking to us about sugar. You know, the numbers are, they're just uh, crazy. I don't know any other way to put it. Americans consume more than 126 grams of sugar per day. Israel, by the way, no, India, by the way, um, consumes only five grams per day. Indians do from India. Uh, in Israel, they consume 14.5 grams. Indonesia, 15 grams. China, 16 grams. Almost 10 times more sugar is consumed by each of us than in those countries, folks. It's got to change. They'll be joining us. Dr. Ron Hager, Dr. Rod Adams will be with us on the phone to talk about decreasing your sugar intake. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know what? Uh, we are out of control when it comes to sugar. We, as hum- as Americans, are consuming more and more sugar. In fact, uh, more than 126 grams of sugar per day. That's the highest of 54 countries that were observed. And the World Health Organization recommends about 50 grams per day for someone of normal weight. But, man, I've got to eat my cereal. Anyway, joining us are two uh, experts to help us figure out what we what we should be doing instead if we're not going to just, you know, douse ourselves with sugar. Uh, first joining us is Dr. Ron Hager. Ron is an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences at Brigham Young University. His area of interest is uh, is chronic disease prevention. He also has asked Dr. Rob Adams to be with us. And Rob is, a, I believe, an, um, a family medicine doctor and an internist at down in um, Texas. And and he's they're both here. Now, are you both in uh, St. George, Utah at the Senior Games? Yeah, yeah. Matt, uh, Matt it's, a, it's a sunny day down in St. George. I'm down here with about uh, 60 uh student interns or, or volunteers uh, to conduct health screenings. There's over 10,000 athletes registered from all 50 states and 19 different countries at wow. this year's senior games event in St. George. And we do about 12 or 13 different health screening stations and, uh, you know, try and get as many people to come through as we can. And uh, so a lot of people are 20 years older than me, which makes me feel good, but yeah. they act like they're 20 years younger than me, which doesn't make me feel good. So it's it, kind of an interesting experience for all of us. That's interesting. Is Rob helping you down there? Rob, uh, incidentally, uh, was in uh, Las Vegas for a wedding and uh, has a cousin in St. George. When he found out I was going to be here, uh, he came up from Texas for the wedding and drove over to St. George. It's only a couple hours from uh, Las Vegas, and so we're spending a little time together this morning. So we actually that's get great. to be together, uh, literally, but not with you. 
Well, darn it. But then what you can do, you ought to drive back to Vegas and you could watch the Democratic um, debate tonight. I, I, I thought about that, too. How exciting would that be? <laughs> Not very exciting. It's probably it's probably better to do health screenings at the senior games. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good time. We actually save lives down here, um, you know, with some of these screenings. We have people come back every year uh, after they, you know, get screened in the previous year. They go home, share with their doctor some of what was found, and we actually many times have people come back and say, you know, this uh, carotid ultrasound screening saved my life. Wow. I went home, told my doctor, we did a, you know, like a bilateral carotid endarterectomy where they actually surgically remove the plaque from the arteries that go to the brain and and they and they report back to us the next year and say, you know, thank you for being here. So that really makes the students feel like they're 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 doing something good down here. That's great. Well see you are. You are doing something good and you're doing something good on the show. You're trying to teach us that we're eating too much sugar. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I wonder sometimes if people even realize uh, you know, because a lot of times when you're in the present, you know, you're not really aware of what's going on. But if you make a comparison to what has been in the past, then sometimes you see the dramatic amount of variation. And if you look at back in the kind of the early 1800s, the average American consumed only about 45 grams of sugar every five days. Wow. The latest wow. data from 2012 suggests that the average American is consuming 765 grams every five days. Man. So it's, uh, it's, it's become a problem, and Rob knows actually quite a bit about this as he's kind of studied this topic. And, uh, you know, why? You know, so in other words, why? Well, a lot of it has to do with how our food is made and where the, the sweetener comes from. So, you know, maybe Rob could address yeah, Rob. a little bit, just, just kind of a historical perspective. Take us through that. Why are we eating so much more sugar? Well, you know, and and we really uh, did touch on some of it. Maybe we can wrap some of this stuff together. But really, our food um, environment has changed over the last 175, 200 years since the Industrial Revolution, and our capacity to to uh, process and mill and take products from the the field and ground, and then alter them and change them and feed them to people has our ability to do that has significantly increased um i mean now we can take wheat and we can separate it and take the bran and the germ out and and then leave the endosperm part and those three are the three components are the parts of the the wheat kernel but that endosperm is where the starch is and we turn that into flour or um the sugar cane is really i mean the grass and now we can take that out and instead of having donkeys turn the, the little roller mill and press the, the syrup out and you get molasses and things like that, now we can do that much more efficiently and sugar, turn it into, into sugar. And corn, we've been able to take that, and it's the same as, as wheat. It's got three components, uh, and we take that endosperm part out where all the carbohydrates are and... Uh, um, we can turn that into high fructose corn syrup. And there's a Japanese chemist, and I can't remember his name, but just in the um, uh, around 1970, he came up with a uh, chemical process for uh, developing fructose. Um, and that that step combined with the uh, increased amount of corn uh, our governments you know arranged farm policies to where uh, they really did not want us to grow 
hungry, and, and corn is a great way to keep us from doing that. But we have uh, we have quite a bit of corn, more than more than before, and we're able to grow it just with the uh, uh, we found um, with the ammonium nitrate. We can grow that. We can give it the fertilizer it requires to, to be able to grow it year after year instead of um, the normal processes for rotating crops that were required before. Um, and, and now we can turn that into uh, uh, high fructose corn syrup and put it into um, just about anything. One of the biggest places that you find it is in uh, sugary drinks, particularly soda, carbonated drinks, things like that. But then you'll find it in in fruits, uh, fruity drinks, things like that, also. But, so, so it's really it's a we're I guess it's more corn syrup we're consuming than than is it just table sugar? Um, and it's really the uh, corn syrup is cheaper, and that's one of the huge places where the increase has has gone through the roof. And uh, I'm not sure if if Ron has any of the numbers on that. Uh, well, for, I, I I can just say that. Uh, you know, like the refined granulated table type sugar you're referring to, Matt. The consumption of that over about the last uh, 40 years has actually gone down. Hmm. You know, so like, so you know, people might say, "Well, yeah, see there, we're doing okay." But like Rob's saying, it's only gone down because it's more cost effective to do something else. So prior to 1970, there was no high fructose corn syrup being used in anything because it hadn't yet been invented. So really all that's happened is we've just replaced, uh, re- replaced or displaced, uh, you know, the, the refined table sugar types of things with this other product. And so overall, if we're just talking about things like, you know, added sugars uh, and not really uh, defining exactly where they come right. from, like whether it's high fructose corn syrup or table sugar, yeah, consumption is still going up. So, yeah, table sugar's gone down, but other sweeteners have gone up. And I think we've talked about in the past, I mean, it, sugar's addictive, right? I mean, our body is wired, is designed to just store, right? Yeah. So, so we become, yeah. a, we, it's like, in fact, it's, it's as addictive as cocaine, isn't it? Yeah, and one of the things that's interesting is we don't don't quite get this is that food when we eat it there's a whole uh host of things that happens like it's it's a messaging system that happens in our body and it triggers like a number of hormones um and one of the responses that will happen i mean that that glucose molecule is something that is it's a prized molecule for energy by our body and our our body uh it loves that um and it's designed to uh, like our body is designed to, to look for it and find it, and it does. It causes a, an increase in dopamine in a inner part of the brain called the nucle- nucleus accumbens or accumbens, depends on if you're on the West Coast or the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, um, depends on how much and, sugar you have on board, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's as uh, it, it wires us like uh, cocaine, and they have found people who are obese, they um, will, if you put them in a machine like, and it's called a functional MRI, and it, it really looks at some of the um, uh, the areas that get lit up by the brain, but if you put them in a functional MRI and uh, do scans on them, you will see that they, if you show uh, a, an addict, like a cocaine addict, pictures of 
drug paraphernalia, like for using cocaine or cocaine itself, or they will they will light up in this nucleus accumbens area and some of the inner parts of the brain, and the the dopamine will will spill out. If you do that same test on somebody that is obese and show them Big Macs or uh, other things, it will light up the same area. Um, mm. And and sugary uh, products will will also do this. There's an interesting. Um, a video, if people want to just Google 60 Minutes Overtime and Nora Volkow, um, and, uh, uh, and then the word hooked, uh, there's like an eight-minute video. I don't know if I can say that over the air. I hope I didn't um, <laughs> do anything wrong there. But um, it's an interesting – she goes through, and they, they talked about that they, with her on uh, that 60-minute uh, segment, and they almost um, – she was behind a, a push to get – obesity put in the diagnostic and statistic manual number five, which is the psychologic uh, yeah. counseling um, criteria book. It's their, it's their go-to for, for diagnosing people with psychologic problems, but they wanted to get obesity put in as an addiction. Um, Interesting. And, uh, yeah. I mean, be, they, they would have other addictions in there, right? They'd have other exactly. issues. Exactly. Wow. But and one of the things that you can do, I mean this is kind of a side note, one of the things that you can treat obesity with um is uh a medicine that's got uh it's a, uh, a combination of uh Wellbutrin and naltrexone and those Wellbutrin is a medicine uh developed for depression but they found out uh people that were taking it when they were depressed they stopped smoking they just weren't interested in smoking. Hmm. Um it helped with the addiction for smoking. Um, now, trexone is another medicine for people that have alcohol uh, abuse problems and opiate abuse problems. They can give people that. And it, if they start using those substances, then they, um, uh, like alcohol particularly, I mean, they get, they just feel like disgusting. Um, but it helps with those uh, addiction pathways and it, it those, both those medicines dampen addictions for other things, and they found that it's been beneficial for some people that have weight control problems. Wow. Um, That's so, how serious this is. I mean, this is yeah. to the point that I mean, you, you need to treat it almost like we've got to do a, an addiction intervention. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are some people in places that they, they attack it very much that way. Um, but it's, I mean, it is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. You know, that, uh, Let's do this, guys. Let's take a break so we can come back and 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 I want more information, more tools, folks. This is just sugar. We're just talking about sugar. We're not talking about you know alcohol, drugs. I mean, it it interacts very similarly, but we're talking about basic consumption of sugar. And uh, our health experts, uh, Dr. Ron Hager and Dr. Rob Adams, they're they're trying to just open up our minds and get us. Get us in the game. Let's not let's not let's not get in trouble here because we're not paying attention to uh, to what's going on. Stick with us. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue discussing the uh, the the overconsumption of sugar that's going on here in the United States. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends. Refined sugar consumption has been linked to obesity, hypertension, high blood pressure, hypoglycemia, depression, headaches, fatigue, nervous tension, aching limbs, diabetes, acne, violent behavior, stiffening arteries, skin irritation, and we're consuming, I don't know, at times two, three times, four times more than uh, ten times more in many cases than the rest of the people in the world, for heaven's sakes. We are sugaraholics joining us to help us uh, watch our consumption and at least talk about the downside and some solutions about uh, your overconsumption of sugar. Dr. Ron Hager, uh, Associate of Exercise Sciences in College and Life Sciences at Brigham Young University, and Dr. Rob Adams, uh, who is a uh, uh, an emer- not an emergency room, but like a family practice doctor. Is that right, Rob? Yes, sir. In Texas. Um, yes. Well, guys, and, uh, um, t- talk to us about sugar. I mean, it-, it is addictive. It's out of control. One of my favorite lessons you taught me was you shouldn't drink your sh- your sugar. Your calories. Your yeah. calories, right. Yeah, try and avoid drinking calories, Matt. Um, I just want to mention real quickly that that uh, you know, awareness is, is a big is a big key. You know, a lot of times when people are aware of something, you know, then they they feel at least a sense of responsibility, you know, to act. And and personally, I don't think most people realize how much sugar they are consuming. You mentioned, you know, you said at the beginning of the show, Matt. You know, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, sarcastically a little bit. You know, I got to have my cereal. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that. And, 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 and a lot of uh, and a lot of sugar based products uh i feel are specifically targeted uh towards children you know you know that uh, children actually consume more sugar on a daily basis than adults in the united states the average child consumes 32 teaspoons per day whereas the average adult only consumes about 22 teaspoons per day and a lot of that comes through things like breakfast cereals now you'll see these you know there's very fancy and very expensive and animated you know, uh, commercialization of things that are targeted towards children. And you take a cereal, for example. Uh, you know, I remember growing up, we used to have a cereal called Sugar Smacks. Oh, yeah. You know, and, uh, of course, it was a frog, that you know, an animated frog that was the, the character that, you know, made you want to love that cereal. Uh, well, sugar got a bad rap, you know, at some point in time, and so they changed it to Honey Smacks. The implication there, or at least the idea behind the marketing as well, you know, honey comes from bees. I mean, that's a natural thing. That's good for you. But that sugar, uh, or, I mean, that, that, that cereal, Matt, is more than 50% sugar by weight. And that's a pretty lightweight cereal. Yeah. So, so awareness, I think, is the big key. And I just don't think most people are really aware of how much sugar no. they're consuming. It's in everything that we eat, especially if it's manufactured foods. If it comes out of a box, a bag, a can, a bottle, a jar, you can almost guarantee that it's got added sugar to it. And and so, you know, we've talked about how much, but the real important issue is, you know, what are some tools or what are some ideas or what are some things you can do to just start putting into practice in your own life you know, a way to, to cut back on this sugar consumption. And Rob's got some great yeah. ideas on that. What are some ideas, Rob? We've only got about three minutes, so shoot out as many as you can. Um, like one of the big ones that we talked about last time is 
that phytonutrient uh, packet and just looking, knowing what is available. I mean, uh, uh, 70, uh, I'm going to get my numbers, I might get them mixed up, but about 70% of packaged materials in stores have added sugar in them. Um, but if we eat, like eating a rainbow of, of foods, fruits, vegetables, things the way that they're supposed to be, um, are that's, that's one of the big things. Another thing that is very helpful is just being aware of, like, go, go to your cupboard and look and see. Look at your cereal because um, there's that Kellogg's Honey Smacks. It's uh, 55% weight uh, sugar. Um, then there's Golden Crisp, the post Golden Crips, Crisp, but then Fruit Loops. Um, there's uh, a number of cereals. Like, really, if, if you're not eating, like, oatmeal or the Cheerios, and I'm not talking like the uh, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, those have more grams of sugar per serving than the Chips Ahoy cookies do. Oh, my heavens. Um, that's 12 grams of sugar per serving for Honey Nut Cheerios and 11 grams for the Chips Ahoy cookies. Those Honey Smacks have 20 grams of sugar and Twinkies, 18 grams of sugar. I mean, just oh. the Put yeah. a little perspective in it. Um, but then look on uh, the in, on yogurt. People say, oh, I, I give my kids yogurt. I'm healthy. I, well, that has 26 grams of sugar <laughs> for a Yoplait original normal yogurt. Oh, right. My um, kids are throwing those back left and right. <laughs> I mean, but you think you're yogurt. helping them, but really you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're sugaring them up. Yeah, Gogurt is another one that's really popular. 64 grams of sugar per tube. I, I'm sorry, 64 grams per tube by weight. Nine of those grams are sugar. That's one-sixth of what you're feeding your kid is sugar. sugar. Oh, um, I think conceptually people don't understand that cranberries, you would not eat them if there was a lot of sugar in them. Oh, my uh, If there was not a lot of sugar, they're very tart. Yogurt, your kids would not eat that if there was not a lot of sugar in it. But if you smash up a banana and put that in plain yogurt or mix in some applesauce in yogurt, um, those are some things that you can do to sweeten it um, with natural products. Yeah, but it's not in a tube. You need it in the tube. I mean, that's what they do is they make it so easy, don't they, for you to just keep throwing them at your kids because it'll keep them quiet in the backseat of the car. But you're really sugaring them up. Yeah, and our, our kids get addicted to it. We get addicted to it. I mean, there's only so much. I mean, you think about this. How fast is the population growing? It's not growing very fast. Right. These food companies have to make a profit, and they have to expand their market. Well, we're not growing in a po- as a population, so they've got to market these things to us. And so having us addicted to things is something that's advantageous that's right. for increasing their profit margin. <sighs> and I'm all in favor of, like, free market and things like that, but... I'm also in favor of being educated and, right. and, and know what's going on. So. Well, you know what? We appreciate both of you. Uh, man, sorry we have to cut it short, but we're going to put that packet back up on our uh, Twitter page again, at Dr. Matt Show, so you can go get that packet and start seeing uh, seeing the, the impact of all of the sugar and some ways to live a healthier, happier life. Super, uh, super grateful for Dr. Ron Hager, Dr. Rob Adams, and their great uh, willingness to teach us. We're going to take a break, folks. Come back. Talk to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. One of the great uh, times on this show is when we get to go down and talk to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? Hello, Matthew. How you doing, guys? We're doing, man. You you doing good? Yeah. <laughs> We're hanging in there. Are you hanging in there? Yeah. You know what you need is a burrito. I could go for a burrito right now. Do you think? I don't need burritos before 10.30 a.m. Oh, what a prude. You're too right? good for an early morning burrito? Too good? Yeah. A breakfast burrito, Jerem? A breakfast burrito? <laughs> a breakfast burrito, yeah. Oh, there Straight you go. up burrito? How about well. a 30-pound burrito? No in any situation. There is a guy uh, from the restaurant. It's it's a Park Slope Mexican restaurant. Don Chin Chingon has a thirty pound burrito, and if you finish it, you become a part owner of the restaurant. <laughs> That's wow. nothing to burp about. You know why he's so confident in that? Because you'll die right after right. you eat it. It's true because at the very bottom it says he is not responsible for death or illness that might occur. There you go. So you have to eat a 30-pound burrito filled with steak, chicken, pork, rice, beans, and salsa. And you also have to um, drink, where is it, a ghost pepper margarita, like, like a picture of that. No bathroom breaks, no throwing up. And if you do it, by the way, it's 150 bucks to enter. But if you survive and you can't go to the bathroom for one hour and you can't throw up, you get to become an owner, a co-owner. That's like us saying, hey, if you can do the gallon challenge and not throw up, we'll consider you as a co-host. See? We'll consider, yeah, consider. Is that how you guys get your co-hosts? <laughs> That's how Brian Logan was found. Was it really? Yeah. We were at uh, University Mall in Orem. <laughs> we, had, we had a chugging contest and you won. We That's like, well, amazing. Oh, you have you played BYU football as well? That's cool. That's I, don't a- know that, I don't know anybody that has successfully completed the gallon challenge. Yeah. Well, why would you? You can't. Your body can't handle it. I mean, I would do it just to be your co-host. I would do it for that reason. Your body can't handle a 30-pound burrito. Ugh. Ugh. 30 pounds. 30 pounds. That's like that's like three and a half babies. 30 <laughs> pounds. Well, then. I, I'm just, I like Do you to, gain, I mean, do you gain 30 pounds just by eating that thing? Oh, Makes yeah. Sense to me. It would have to go somewhere. Yeah. Plus, it's apparently, weird. a ghost pepper margarita. So the the ghost pepper would be the pepper you don't see but haunts you for days. <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. Just, you know, I knew you guys like to – I know you want to, like, you know, eventually own your own restaurants and stuff. Just so. I don't know that I would ever do that. No. No. I'd My rather die. My wife would do that, but I would never do that. No, thanks. But I wonder if you could do the 30-pound burrito as a family. Yeah, how many people can get in on that? Ten? Pretty sure one. Sure. Yeah, ten people? All right. I think the minute they're saying they're not responsible for your death, that's something you ought to look at it's twice. Bad news. Bad news thing. Yeah. Typically, yeah, I'm typically trying not stay involved and, in, you know, uninvolved in this. Yeah. <laughs> You're staying out of it. Hey, by the way, guys, happy Navy birthday. It's Navy's birthday today. That's great. Isn't that great? That's as great. in the United yeah. States Naval Academy? Yes, as in the entire U.S. Navy. It's their birthday. It's the birthday. Yeah. Don't you think it'd be fun to, like, put the entire Navy through the spanking machine? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just think that through. No, no comment. 
Hey, um, you guys still doing your show thing today? We are doing it. Well, what's today's topic? Let's see. What are we talking about again today, Jeremy? We're talking about Tanner Mangum. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who? His hamstring injury, what effect that will have on BYU, and what was said yesterday from the BYU coaching staff and players about it. We'll mm. talk to the all-time leading rusher, Harvey Unga, will join us in studio oh, on the program. Oh, cool. What did he tell the BYU running backs last week that helped them against East Carolina? Yeah, we watched some great. film with those guys. Cool. And then uh, we expect to hear from quarterback coach Jason Beck after practice. We'll talk to him about did Tanner Mangum practice last night? Did he practice this morning? See, they're not going to tell you. This he's that's well, Jason knows. It's just, it's just us, and then uh, nobody else. No, he'll people. just tell you guys. Yeah. So you have the power on your show to do that. That's cool. And then we'll have other people listen at the same time. Uh, you know what? If I were you guys, I'd tweet it out. Yeah, we will tweet out that information if he tells us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe do a little periscope of that interview. Well, you can watch it live. No, I mean, like behind the scenes. Because I know when the camera goes uh, off, that's when you guys are really going to talk. When we get the all the good stuff. Yeah. I'm yeah, just... then nobody will ever talk to us again on that BYU coaching staff if we do that. That's a good point. Yeah. If you want, we'll send Holly in. Holly Mendenhall, she's got. <laughs> that's, that's right. She'll go straight to the top. You're in with Holly Mendenhall. Yeah, we we always we find out so much dirt with her, <laughs> and none of it has to do anything with football. No, that's the weird thing. It's really all dirt, just dirt. Hey, um, guys, uh, didn't want to mention it, but I'm mentioning it. Um, sad. What's going on with USC? Yeah, that's uh, that's a tricky situation. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian quarterbacked one of the greatest seasons in BYU football history in 1996, and so BYU fans have an affinity for him for sure, and he's a great football mind going through a very difficult time right now, and everyone has their thing. Yeah. This this is his thing, and this is his opportunity to uh, to go and get better, and I, I feel like he will be back and that he will uh, he'll coach again, so... I mean, especially if he can go get control of this. He's an incredible sure. coach. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, but what I'm worried about is, you know, maybe maybe they'll go after Bronco. Maybe they'll go after Kyle Whittingham, the Kyle Utah Whittingham coach. Kyle Whittingham is certainly in that conversation. And uh, Pat Hayden, the athletic director at USC. My favorite Rams quarterback of all time. Is now facing a scenario where he needs, if he wants to keep his job, and he might not. Yeah, because he's whiffed on the last two hires, but he he needs to hire somebody that is stringent and by the book and won't do anything dumb. And there were a couple of names that floated right to the top. Kyle, past BYU guy. Yep, Kyle Whittingham, Bronco Mendenhall. Man, that would be crazy because the Utes are going to be playing the Cougs soon, right? Next year, <laughs> or maybe in the Vegas Bowl. Nope. <gasps> Oh. I don't think Utah will drop that far yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're playing uh, They're extremely well. well right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Utah, Utah could be in the playoff. They, the Pac-12 South is brutal. They play Arizona State this week. That should be a good game. It's a late-night game. You guys. See, I threw, I threw a curve at you. Look at how you just handled it. Brilliant. It is do. the baseball postseason. Go Cubs. Oh. That's what we do. It's yeah, fun. go Cubbies. It's fun to watch the Cubs. I'm not a Cubs fan, but I'm a sports fan, so I'm going for the Cubs. So you're going to watch the Cubs instead of watching the Democratic debate tonight? There's a Democratic debate tonight. Oh, my heavens. Bernie Sanders? Have you not I, heard of him? I Weekend at Bernie Sanders? Uh, hello, Martin O'Malley. Matt, I've got young Jim children Webb. at home. So does Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. We you go get... home from work and we play with the Literally kids. Literally with Play-Doh. 
Yeah. I go home, I play with Play-Doh. <laughs> we don't do anything. That's, a, that's what I do. But pay nothing, attention to our wives and our children. Nothing wrong with that. See, that's good family men right there. And watch sports. Okay, you guys got to go to your show. I, I'm worried. You got to get down okay. and do your yep, show. We got to go. We got to go. Go, do, go get waxed, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Knock him dead. Yeah. They handled that. I just threw him a curveball and just seemed just like the greatest football coach threw out a bunch of stats. I mean, if they threw me a curve like that, I wouldn't know what to say. I even threw him out the burrito curve. Boom! They handled it like a trooper. It's a trap! It's a trap! Hey, uh, last hour we told you about that poor guy in uh, Idaho that woke up with a bear in his tent. If you wake up and somebody's licking your head, you are either at spring break in Florida or you you are in Idaho with a bear biting on your head. Anyway, that uh, they that turned out okay. They ended up getting out, and all was well. Nobody died, but he did have some cuts and abrasions on his head. He had been bitten, for heaven's sakes. Anyway, tragic there, but um, he's okay. He's okay. Also, I uh, wanted to tell you the story of um, the uh, – where did it go? Apparently, Hillary Clinton doesn't sweat. Somebody asked her in an interview that we know that you don't sweat. We can see because we've watched you through the interviews and we noticed that apparently you don't sweat. And she's like, oh, it's out. You found out I'm a robot and she played along with him. You got me. I'm a robot like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They created somebody like me. Anyway, pretty sure she's not a robot. She's not a robot. Hey, here's the uh, hero story. We always like to end the show, as you know, with a hero story. This is a great story about a young mother that has been hailed a hero after she rescued a man in a wheelchair from an oncoming train in central Illinois. Last week, 75-year-old Earl Mormon's uh, motorized wheelchair became stuck on railroad tracks near Ashley Aldridge's home in Auburn, uh, Illinois. Uh, Aldridge, 19, heard him screaming and ran out the door as she heard the train blast its horn. The young girl heard me, said Mormon to CBS affiliate WHBH. She came over, and by the time she did, the gates started coming down. She reached him just in time, struggling at first, but finally pulling Mormon from the wheelchair and carrying him to safety. I look up, and the train's literally right there, and I did it, uh, I did it one more time and somehow managed to lift him up just far enough so that we could tilt the wheelchair backwards. Aldridge told uh, the... Uh, the radio affiliate there. She says, as I'm pulling him back, the train knocked his wheelchair right out from under him. Police later told Aldridge Aldridge that uh, the the Amtrak train was speeding through the town at 81 miles an hour. The wheelchair was destroyed. Mormon called Aldridge, whom he had never met before. He calls her his guardian angel. Aldridge is the mother of two toddlers and was honored Monday as a hometown hero with a supermarket shopping spree in nearby Chatham, some 210 miles southwest of Chicago. I'm pretty excited, she says, because we haven't been able to buy a whole bunch of food for the kids. Aldridge said at the Chatham County Market she, uh, where she grabbed $187 in free food in three minutes. I'm glad I can finally make them some real food, she said, not just macaroni and cheese all the time. Anyway, the shopping spree and other donations, free Amtrak tickets, and an honorary black belt from a local martial arts school have all come at a good time for Aldridge's family. 
Before the rescue, someone broke into their home and stole the money that was meant for bills. Heroes, a young mom willing to risk her life to save another. Folks, they're out there. There's a ton of good people, and uh, you are one of them. So let's make a difference in the people's lives around us. That's the goal of the show, to help you see the good in the world and lift all of us to a higher level. We're going to uh, we're going to end it. Folks, that's it. We'll take a break, and uh, the top of the hour, you'll be listening to BYU Sports Nation. Until tomorrow, we'll be back again. Stick with us and uh, make it a great one.